Is a popular popular podcast. Do not be afraid. Welcome to Popular History, a library of Catholic knowledge and insights brought to you daily. My name is Greg, and yesterday I mentioned we were preparing to leave the Book of Acts. But there's a couple more things we need to cover before we do. They're both from Acts 8, and they're both tied to Deacon Philip, one of the original seven. Let's dive in starting with the second event chronologically, because the first event is a springboard for our future discussions. Quote, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Greg note, that's from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And Greg note, and the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself, or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns, until he came to Caesarea. End quote. Now the most obvious conclusion is that this is the origin of the church in relatively distant Ethiopia. And it's true that that's traditionally the main focus when discussing this event. Unlike Spain, borrowing James the Greater real quick before his martyrdom, and England randomly latching on to Joseph of Arimathea, the Ethiopians actually have a case for a semi-apostolic foundation as the origin of their national church. I wouldn't go so far as to say it necessarily stands up to historical scrutiny if you check whether the church grew from there, especially considering the main saints credited with Christianizing Ethiopia are 4th century missionaries, and that seems to fit a lot more comfortably into established scholarship. But hey, it's not nothing. Not that Ethiopia is completely free of ahistorical golden legend stuff themselves. Did you know Ethiopia is where the Ark of the Covenant ended up? Salt times, folks. Grab your salt. Okay. 
back to Deacon Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. The real big reason I'm bringing him up today is the fact that some commentators, both in antiquity and more recently, ask the question of whether this event, which appears to be roughly contemporaneous with the stoning of Stephen, might actually have been the first conversion of a Gentile. After all, we've hopped all the way back to Acts 8. Cornelius was in Acts 10. Narratively, Paul hasn't even converted yet, so this is definitely early. And yet, Philip seems untroubled by the implications. I mean, sure, he was guided right to the eunuch by the Holy Spirit, but it's not like the Spirit had even hinted at what he was supposed to do when he got to the eunuch. Teaching about Jesus was a pretty straightforward call, given the circumstances, but was baptism the obvious choice, given that if the eunuch was indeed a Gentile, this would be the biggest milestone in church history to date, and the spirit, which was so involved as to even tell Philip to walk up to the chariot, was seemingly not giving Philip specific instructions to take a massive step, one which, as discussed previously, would represent the real breaking point separating Judaism and Christianity. Well, for Philip, it was indeed the obvious choice, certainly based on his actions. But also, let me walk you through what I think he was thinking, and do trust this little section only as much as you trust me, because it's conjecture. If this was the baptism of a Gentile, it was bold, sure, and monumental, yep. But Philip would have heard, from the apostles, of the great commission Jesus gave right before his ascension. Quote, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. End quote. He hadn't heard that directly. He had been taught that by the apostles. Not the twelve, but the eleven, because, keep in mind, they were short Judas Iscariot, and no successor for him had been chosen just yet. Anyways, Philip evidently had confidence in the teaching he had received, even with the spirit going silent at the crucial moment. It wouldn't have been too hard to doubt. God had struck down folks for more minor offenses than sacrilege before, including Ananias and Sapphira just a few chapters earlier in Acts. And if the indirect report of the Great Commission Philip had received was false, he would absolutely be committing sacrilege. And yet, there was apparently no hesitation. Philip trusted what he had received from the apostles. He trusted, dare I say it, tradition. And so it was done. Quickly at that. No extensive preparations. And right after the first baptism of a Gentile, if that's what this was, the spirit whisked away Philip to his next task, leaving the eunuch changed and rejoicing. I'm going to stop things here and leave the rest of my notes on Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch for, well, for another day out few weeks down the road, because we are transitioning into coverage of the newest batch of cardinals that will be made official later this month, so that'll be taking up the rest of September. There is more on this topic worth discussing, and I don't want to cut Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch short. If you're wondering why this seemingly minor episode is getting an even more in-depth treatment than Peter and Cornelius... First off, it's not. Remember that that actually went three episodes. And second, part of my aim in looking at the Cardinals in this podcast is to look at the second stringers, the 
lesser appreciated stories of the more behind-the-scenes movers of the church, like these early deacons. If the first Gentile convert was the result of a deacon, then that's worth taking whatever time it takes to discuss. So tune in in October to let me backtrack pretty much everything I said in this episode, and let me explain why, though this is a special moment, it is almost certainly not the first baptism of a full-on Gentile. And of course, don't be tuning out until October. There's daily content to come. It's just our weekday content is going to be switching to the contemporary cardinal coverage. And of course, our weekends will continue to be doing their weekend things. Anyways, I'll see you tomorrow, or I'll see you then, whenever you want to tune back in. Thanks for listening. God bless you all. Better, 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 better.